afternoon. If you would like to go ahead and take out a Bible and have that in front of you, that our study this evening will be that much more profitable for you, I believe. I want to uh, go ahead and ask you, have you ever had a, a time in your life where you were worried about something? I think every one of us should be nodding our heads up and down like this right here. Every one of us has had a time in our lives when we have worried about things. Everyone is familiar with anxiety. In fact, anxiety is an epidemic, if you will, that's gripping the world. It is prevalent as it is, though. Anxiety, which is another name for worry, it's one of the most counterproductive things that we can do. This morning we talked about happiness and about that emotion and how we can live a truly happy life. Well, this evening I want to talk about anxiety and how we can live an anxiety-free life. Now, I read a quote by a congresswoman by the name of Pat Schroeder. Pat Schroeder said, you can't wring your hands and roll up your sleeves at the same time. Think about that. You can't wring your hands. You know, when you're, somebody's worried about something and they're wringing their hands, you can't do that and roll up your sleeves at the same time. What she meant by that is worry doesn't get anything done. Anxiety is not going to get you closer to solving the problems in front of you. Another quote I found by an unknown source is, worry is like a fast getaway on a rocking horse. It might preoccupy the time, but you're not really getting anywhere. So how should the Christian approach, <clears throat> how should the, Christian approach the problem of worry. What can we do about it? And perhaps one of the first things we can do is we can understand that it is a problem. First thing we need to understand is what is anxiety? As we talked about, anxiety is worry. Anxiety is distress about future uncertainties. And oftentimes it is characterized by not just a mental agitation, but also by an uneasiness and even a physical pain. Um, I'm sure you have heard of people who have worried so much about something that they made themselves sick. Uh, and that's, that, that's something that probably we have all done at one time in our life. Uh, maybe it would be something coming up like a, I don't know, a, a test for school. I used to worry about tests so much that I was so sick. I, was, I don't want to go to school today and take this test because I'm sick. So the, we can see how, how this disease really, anxiety, it, it affects us on a mental level and on a physical level. It may, be, it may be mild. For some people, it is just something that they, they worry about, but it doesn't affect them the same way it does others. Other people, it affects them so severe that they have to even be hospitalized uh, from, from the amount of worry and, and concern or anxiety they have in their life. And it is primarily to do with things that are in the future. Future events, whether they be near or whether they be way, way off distant in the future, we don't t- typically see people who are worried about things that are already done and over with. They don't worry about things in their past. So what causes anxiety? Anxiety is caused by both real and imagined threats to our well-being. We feel vulnerable. We feel inadequately protected against these threats. Threats such as social rejection, afraid of of people uh, rejecting us, not wanting to have anything to do with us. Maybe it's on a a level at work. Maybe it's for, for some others. It might be in school, but, but we have fear this idea of social rejection, physical injury. That's something that, that is a, a, lot of, a threat to a lot of people, or disease, or poverty, death. There's a wide range of threats that, that so oftentimes focus and, and culminate in our anxiety and our worry of those threats. And at its very base, anxiety has three elements. 
These three elements are insecurity, that something bad is going to happen. Helplessness, there is nothing I can do about what's going to happen. And isolation, there is no one to help me with this something bad that's going to happen. These causes sometimes operate individually and sometimes they operate collectively. But these are the three main causes, the three main elements of anxiety. And the fact is that emotionally, even if the, the threat that, that, that creates this anxiety, even if it's just imaginary, the effects are just as real. Even if it's not a real threat in our lives, it still has real control and can cause real pain and, and suffering in our, in, our, in our lives. Ultimately, at its core, anxiety is a form of fear. It's a form of fear and it must be recognized as such. So with an understanding of the problem of anxiety, we need to move closer towards understanding the way of overcoming the problem. And one of the first and most important things that we need to do in overcoming this problem is we need to place our trust in God. The best remedy for, for anxiety is to, is to deal with the problem's causes and not the problem's symptoms. Uh, I've made this analogy before, but if you go to the doctor, let's say a broken arm, you go to the doctor with a broken arm, they're going to treat the symptoms of that broken arm. They will. They'll give you pain medicine and, and help you with the, the symptoms of that broken arm. But they're not going to just treat the symptoms and send you back home. They're going to try to treat the cause of the symptoms as well. They're going to try to fix that broken arm the best they can. The same way with anxiety. We don't need to just treat the symptoms. We need to get right to the cause of our anxiety. And we need to treat that as what, uh, more importantly than anything else. And the truth is uh, insecurity, helplessness, isolation in regards to the Christian, these are all treatable. These are all things that are not beyond our control. Proverbs 3 and verse 21 and 26 tells us that, uh, that we, are, we don't have to have that insecurity. In verse 21, My son, let them not depart from your eyes. This is talking about, about the wisdom of the Lord. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion so that they, so they will be your life Excuse me. So they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. <clears throat> then you will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down, and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Here the, 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 the writer of the Proverbs is saying, that the Lord is, is your security. Your, this feeling of insecurity is misplaced because the, Gord, the Lord, if you, will, if you will keep the wisdom that comes from His Word in your heart and it will not depart from your eyes, as it says in verse 21, He will be that security. He will be that confidence. Hebrews 4.16 likewise was, was sending us this message. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We don't have to be insecure because we have help available to us. We have to go boldly before the throne of grace, though, to receive that help. So while the Christian may feel helpless, the reality is that he has great help. Look over in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, we see some of this help. What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? This is exactly what the psalmist was saying back in, verse 20, or in chapter 27 in verse 5. 
as he talks about the protection that God provides, he's, he is bringing this same idea to our minds. Who can possibly be against us if God be for us? Psalms 27 and verse 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon the rock. We have this idea that God's protecting us. And if God's protecting us, what do we have to worry about? What do we have to fear? Who can even stand against us if God is protecting us? The next thing we see in regards to being isolated, the reality is God is always at our side. Again, if you, if you kept your spot back in Psalms, look over just to Psalms 23. And this psalm that we know so well, attributing the Lord as the shepherd. We see in verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Matthew 28 and 20 was giving us the same idea as Jesus was talking, was talking to the, his disciples and talking to us at the same time, saying, I will be with you always, even until the end. And Hebrews 13 Verses 5 and 6. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We have this confidence. We have this help. And we are not isolated when we are with the Lord. The remedy for anxiety is complete trust. It's complete confidence in God's ability to deal with everything and anything that threatens us. And the more we learn about God, the more we will know of His infinite power and concern for us. Turn over to 1 Peter 5. In 1 Peter 5, and verse 6 and 7, we read, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. In verse 7, Casting all your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. Cast your cares upon Him because He cares for you. This is what John was talking about in 1 John 5. The same idea that we need to be casting these cares upon Him. In verse 14 where we read, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. We're not just speaking to the clouds. We're not speaking to the roof or to the floor. We're speaking to a God that cares for us and hears us. He actually hears the things that we bring up to Him. And God has promised us peace. Peace of mind to those who are willing to commit their anxieties to Him. Turn over to John 16. In John chapter 16 and in verse 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We need to re- realize that we have peace through God who understands what we are going through. He understands the troubles that we face and He cares about us enough to ask us to bring those troubles to Him, to place those troubles at His feet and know that He hears us when we take that to Him. So trusting God is one of the first things we need to do when we are trying to overcome anxiety, when we are trying to overcome worry. But there are some other practical steps that we can do in overcoming, in overcoming this problem. One of the first steps that we can do is we need to read the Bible. We need to commit ourselves in God's safekeeping, but we need to do that through growing in our knowledge of Him and growing in our knowledge of His love for us. 
One of the most important things we can do is to study the Scriptures, pray and meditate on, on God's promises to His faithful people. We talked about this this morning. How if we want to be happy, we need to be delighting in His Word. Well, the same is true with, our, with worrying and anxiety. If we wish to not have worry and anxiety in our lives, we need to pray and meditate on God's promises. Look in Romans 15 and verse 4. He says, For whatever things were written before, they were written for your learning that, with through, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. See, study my Word. Because the Word that I have written, it's written for you. It's written so that you can have hope, so that you can have peace, so that you can understand me enough to know that the problems you have in your life, I want them. I want you to bring them to me so I can help you take care of them. But at the same time, we have to be realistic. We have to be realistic. Peace, peace of mind does not depend upon us solving all the problems of the world. Peace of mind does not depend on us getting all the wrongs righted. It doesn't depend on us on us removing all the imperfections that we see, or even getting everything that we want. In fact, Ecclesiastes tells us that if that's our desire, if our desire is to, is to understand everything that's going on in our life and to fix everything that's wrong in our life, well, we're, just, we're desiring something that we're not going to receive. Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 16. Uh, 8 and verse 16 says, When I applied my heart to know wisdom, and to see the business that is done on earth, even though no one, no one sees... Excuse me, I, I've, I've read this verse so many times this weekend, and I've had such a hard with, time with it every time. When I applied my heart to know wisdom, and to see the busyness that is done on earth, even though one sees no sleep day or night, then I saw all the work of God, that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. For though a man labors to discover it, yet he will not find it. Moreover, though a wise man attempts to know it, he will not be able to find it. We're not going to know it all. We're not going to solve all the world's problems. We're not going to solve all of our problems. Some things are not going to change, and we need to be realistic enough to just accept that. There are problems that have no solutions. There are situations that simply just must be lived through. In fact, I read a quote by a one William James. It says, The art of being wise is the art of knowing what to overlook. There are some things that we simply have to overlook. And that's what the Proverbs was telling us in Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19 and in verse 11. <clears throat> the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. There are problems that are going to come up in our lives, and it is to our glory at times to just overlook these problems, to not get tied up and focused and wrapped around them. Give them to God. Realistic uh, knowledge of our own limitations will cause us to relax. It will cause us to slow down. Take a step back and look at the problem. The noble art of getting things done is, uh, is the noble art of knowing when to leave things undone. In fact, uh, another quote I read is, The wisdom of life consists in the elimination of the non-essentials. When we find things that, that tie us up and, and wrap our minds around and get stuck on and bound up on, these are the kind of things that take us away from the peace that God provides. These are the kind of things that drag us into anxiety and into worry. And, and the idea here is get realistic. There's some things that you're just going to have to say, Here, God. You solve it. If, you can't, if you're not going to solve it, that's okay. I'm going to move on with my life and just continue following after you. So we must learn to let go of some problems and just simply allow the Lord to be in charge. 
the next thing we see is that we need to be flexible. We need to be flexible. Change is inevitable. And we need to be resilient. We need to be adaptable. We need to be adjustable. We need to be like that parable of the pine tree we heard about the other day. We need to be able to flex. Proverbs, or excuse me, Philippians chapter 4. Paul, Paul was like that pine tree. Paul was able to flex. Look in chapter 4 and verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both, uh, both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. Our faith must be in Him who changes not. And so therefore, there are changes that we ought to, to resist without compromise. You know, and that, and that idea that Eric brought up to us, this idea of being like the pine tree. Pine trees don't flex at the trunk. They don't flex at their roots. Their roots are, are, are firmly planted. We need to be like that. We need to be firmly planted. Even as the tree we talked about this morning, planted by, by the river that, that God provides through His Word, accepting that nourishment. But if a pine tree never flexed its branches when the snow fell, they would just break. If we won't flex and be flexible with what we desire as opposed to what we really need, then we too will break when times get hard and we come under stress. Next thing is we need to find out where our focus needs to rely on. We, don't need, to, we need to minimize the unnecessary cares and focus our desire and, and our concern on the good cares of the world. In the Bible, we talk about, or the Bible talks about how there are cares that can be both good and bad. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in verse 35, or 25, excuse me. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, we read of a good care, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. That's a good care. Caring for one another, caring for the members of the body of Christ. Another one found in chapter 11 of the same book, from verse 28. But let a man examine him, uh, excuse me, that's 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. In the, in the next uh, book over, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and in verse 28. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern is for all the churches. Again, these are the kind of cares that we should have. Philippians 2 verse 20, For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. He was talking about Timothy. Again, the cares that he's talking about here in all these situations are the cares that we have for one another. The cares that we have for the, uh, for the church. The cares that we have for the work of the Lord that's going on. But it does talk about bad cares. Look at Matthew 13. There are cares that we need to avoid and we need to minimize and we need to cut out of our lives. In Matthew 13, talking, uh, reading from, it's the, the parable of the sower. And in describing it to the, to the disciples, he says in verse 22, Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. There are cares that we need to minimize in our life. We tend to become distracted by, by the many relatively unimportant cares of this world. And we don't care enough about the things that we ought to. When we have this mind that's distracted by, by the many pursuits, what well, derives ourselves of the benefit from any of the things that we want to focus on. If we are focused so much upon the things of this world, even if we have our focus elsewhere on, on the church and on one another, our focus is, is spread in so many ways that it really counts to nothing. 
and on all the places that it's placed. In fact, Luke 10 and verse 41 talks about how there's really only one thing that is necessary. Luke 10 and in verse 41, 41 and 42. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. The one thing that Mary had chosen, she had chosen to sit at the feet of Jesus, to listen to the teachings of Jesus. There's only one care in this world that truly matters. In fact, Matthew 6 and verse 33 tells us more about that. And we talked about that just a little bit briefly earlier, but still. 33 and 34, but seek, the first, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's cast off the unimportant cares. Let's get rid of the things that, that, aren't what does, that need to take up our priorities and let's put our cares on the things that truly are important. On one another. On the work that, the, that God has called us to do. And let's learn to live, as Matthew 6.34 said, let's learn to live one day at a time. Let's learn to live in the day that we are living in right now. Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its worries and its sorrows. It only empties today of its strength. In fact, it says worry is, a, is an interest paid on trouble before it comes due. So many, if not most of our fears, many uh, they will turn out to be unfounded. In fact, I like this quote by Winston Churchill. He said on his deathbed, on his deathbed, as he was dying, he said a lot of the trouble that I had in my life, most of it never even came to pass. A lot of the trouble that was in my life never even happened. So I ask you today, how many of you can remember what you worried about June 14th, 2014? What was, your, what was on your plate that you were worried about and you had anxiety about? I bet you don't remember. More than likely because it never even came to fruition. It wasn't anything to even be worried about at that time. So look at the problems you have today. In a year, are they really going to matter? Are they really going to take up, need to take up this much of your time? Don't worry about the problems that are, that are coming up. Look and live for today. Live in this moment and stay busy. Anxiety and idleness, they go hand in hand. Despair is a form of laziness. In fact, it says that a, a person, this is an old kind of a, I guess it's a saying um, from old. It's, it doesn't really have anybody attributed to it. But it says, Blessed is the person who is too busy to worry during the day and too sleepy to worry at night. Someone who puts their back to work, they don't have time to worry about these problems because they're so busy doing the work that's required of them that at night, well, they just fall asleep. They can't worry about the problems because they're wore out from all the work they've done. That's the kind of people we need to be. Much good can be accomplished even in adverse circumstances, if we will quit concentrating on what cannot be done and start looking at what we can do in this moment. Ralph Waldo Emerson, this, this, this sermon is full of quotes by secular sources, but these sources, uh, or these quotes I thought were beneficial for us to focus our minds. Ralph Waldo Emerson, the poet, said, Don't waste time in doubts and fears. Spend yourself in the work before you, well assured that the right performance of this hour's duties will be the best preparation for the hours of ages that follow it. He's saying, work hard today, and that will prepare you for the things that come tomorrow. 
And when, you know what? When you get into tomorrow, work hard then because that's going to prepare you for the next day. Keep ourselves busy. And the last thing we need to, lo- to do is we need to learn contentment. Paul talked about that in, in Philippians 4, 11 and 12 as we've already read. But we didn't read the last part of that passage in verse 13. Philippians 4, verse 13, most of us probably have this passage memorized. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We need to be able to rejoice in the Lord, which we can do if we continually count our blessings. If we count our blessings, we can see the strength that Christ gives us in our lives. We will continue to know that we can do all things. Philippians 4, and in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. In verse 6, be anxious for nothing. He said, don't worry. Sometimes we look at that and go, that was a suggestion. No, that was a commandment. Don't worry. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We probably could read that verse right there and stop the whole sermon. Maybe I should have even started with that. We'd have have been out of here in, in two minutes. Don't worry. Give your problems to God. He wishes to to know your problems and He wishes to help. The Christian ought to be able to see the silver lining even in the darkest of clouds. In fact, the discontented Christian very possibly may lose his soul. He may lose his soul because of it. Look at 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and look at verse 6 through 8. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out and having food and clothing with excuse me and having food and clothing with these we shall be content. If we can't get content with our life then we have a, a fear greater than the problems that are in our everyday life. God is telling us get content. It's not a suggestion to, to move, remove worry from your, from your life. He's saying focus on the problems you have today and the ones that you can't solve, don't worry about them. Give them up to me. And if it's my will that you're going to go through these problems anyway, then just go through them and know that I'm going to get you through them. It's not going to be something that holds you back in this life. Anxiety often comes from having too much, in fact, rather than having too little. So if we can't be content with the things that we have and we're always striving for more, guess what? When we get more, we're still not going to be content. Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 12 tells us this. It says, The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. The man that's working towards, towards just living contently, he's going to be happy. He's going to have this sweet rest, as it talks about here. But the man who has all the abundance, he's not going to be happy because he's going to require more. It's never enough. You get some, some and, and, and you, we've seen this time and time again with maybe people you know. We sometimes see this uh, in, in our children. Get a little bit, and then we want a little bit more. And we get a little bit more, and then we want a little bit more. It's always an ongoing progression. Our wealth depends not so much, or should, should depend, maybe I should say that. Our wealth should not depend so much on what we have. Our wealth should depend on what we can do without. What it is that we can live without in our lives. So when a problem produces anxiety within us, the very best thing we can do is to take that problem and to bathe it in reverence 
and in gratitude. If we will do that, if you will take the problem and you will take it to God and you will take it to God with the idea of I am so thankful for everything you have done for me and I know that you are going to get me through this problem, whether or not the problem is taken away from me or whether or not I have to go through it, that will change our outlook completely on the issue of anxiety. The Christian is given the means to deal with anxiety. Peace that comes through prayer, Philippians 4 talks about, as we read there, uh, Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. And in Psalms 23, in the, in the first six verses of the Psalms, we'll go back and reread those. Reassuring confidence from trusting in God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green, past, in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the house for, of the Lord forever. The writer of that psalm had problems. He had real problems. David, we look through his life, we see the, we don't have problems like David had today. But look at the, way, the words that he wrote. Look at the confidence that he had. The Lord is my shepherd. He, he, he is the answer in so many places. God, you are the answer to my problems. We need to have an attitude like David had. If we will do that, we can shatter the, the effects of anxiety in our life. When we are feeling insecure, when we are feeling helpless, when we are feeling with, filled with isolation, and all this is producing anxiety in our lives, we can focus by putting our trust in God. We can read the Bible. We can be realistic. We can be flexible. We can focus on the good cares, and we can minimize the unnecessary cares. And we can learn to live one day at a time, staying busy, and we can learn contentment. Let's replace anxiety and worry in our lives. Let's commit ourselves to do that starting right now, starting today. We'll replace it with concern. I was told this one time, how can, some, how can, how can God expect us not to worry about things? If we don't worry about them, will nothing ever get done? And the person I asked this to told me that I was confusing worry and concern. He said, worry Worry brings about death. Worry brings about immobilization. It freezes you. But concern motivates you. Concern pushes you to find a solution to the problem. Even if that solution is there is no solution, I'm going to be content with it. So this evening I ask, are you concerned with your salvation? If you have not been washed by the blood of Jesus through baptism, then you have good reason to be. Let that concern motivate you to put your faith in Him that you will be obedient to His will, you will repent, and you will confess Him as the Christ. You will be baptized and remain steadfast. Salvation is yours to attain if you're concerned enough to attempt to attain it. Have you let worry, though, or some other sin, have you let that creep up in your life and to separate you, to cause you to become stagnant in your walk with the Lord? Then be concerned enough today to make things right, to, to, to correct the the problem that, the, uh, that worry and anxiety creates in a life and bring yourself back into a sound relationship with God. Whatever your need may be, I ask that you please let it be known and let it be known tonight 
as we stand and sing the song that Carl selected.